All right, and we are live. Once again, I am your host, Eric, Rebel with a Cause podcast. This wonderful March 29th at 7.30 p.m. Central. And uh, joining me on the show, one, Mr. Lee Enfield from NBlock Press. How's it going, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. Uh, not a problem at all. I, I do love uh, getting all my fellow gun nerds on from time to time so we can talk about guns and see where it goes. But uh, Lee re- recently got, uh, what is it, like a perma ban from Twitter, so you're kind of ban evading at the moment? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I caught a suspension for, uh, of all things, just kind of a, a hot take about Kanye West and uh, Pete Davidson. So, like, I didn't even think anything about it when I tweeted it. I, I basically just said that... Uh, I forget even exactly what the tweet was, but it, it was just, it was when those text messages were out and Pete Davidson was like, uh, yeah, I'm in bed with your wife. And I, I had tweeted that, uh, I don't know. I hope Kanye West like puts him in a coma or something like that. And, uh, someone, the, the really frustrating thing about this is that, you know, someone on the internet saw this and was upset that I had even joked about Pete Davidson being harmed and, you know, it is, this is obviously like something that got reported, which mm. it's depressing to think that there are people out here who are, you know, <laughs> scrolling the timeline and just being like that invested in Pete Davidson's safety. Right. You know, just, Hey, nobody, nobody talks about Pete Davidson that way. You know, <laughs> I better, I better it's report like, this guy for promoting violence. It's like, are you sure? Have you seen Pete Davidson recently? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, kind of, kind of just a throwaway tweet. And I guess that's what, what gets you so uh yeah all the time yeah my favorite is if i go a little bit too hard after a blue check and then like all of their followers start mass reporting yeah yeah <laughs> yeah fun. yeah and it's just i don't know it's just depressing to think that because uh, it was a quote tweet so someone like some pete davidson fan was actively going through quote tweets to make sure that people were being nice uh to <laughs> pete davidson which is incredible to me might have been pete davidson himself i like to think that like i just (laughs) just got so mad at you (laughs) yeah that would uh that would that would be the only real nose up to it you know like that (laughs) that'd just be crazy that'd just be crazy i I know uh i've had people on before that have gone after like beyonce and some of her fans and uh yeah they they take no quarter they they will come after you (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that about uh, Beyonce fans. Isn't there a whole there's a whole thing, right, where they're like uh, like queen bees or something like that? Yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not a, I guess, nothing against Beyonce. It's just not my thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not quite on the rotation. <laughs> no, not a lot. No, and uh, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess there are people who have to like Pete Davidson, but. Uh, it's depressing to think that they're out there reporting people on Twitter for it. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Twitter is a, a cesspool and a sewer, and I love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, certainly the place to be, I guess, if you got, if you got to be somewhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. It's It's reached to the point now where if I'm looking at some just garbage take from somebody, I then have to ask myself, is like, is this a parody account? Is this satire? What exactly yeah. am I looking at here? It gets uh it gets tougher to tell like every day. 
you know that that I don't know what you would call it, but it's it's almost like a um, like an asymptote where it's like always always getting closer and closer to crossing that line where it converges, but it just never does. It only ever moves halfway there. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's difficult to discern sometimes. Kind of tickles around the edges a little bit, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then we even got people on our own side that do their fair share of uh, satire and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just like, do you actually believe this or? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to tell. Yeah. It's really, really hard to tell. Um, yeah. We've got one. Uh, she kind of plays like this, this old woman on Twitter, like an old woman Democrat on Twitter. Claire Foster shout out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's a great account. <laughs> some of the best stuff ever. Cause you, they will get some of those blue waiver <laughs> types with the, you know, the hashtag resist and BLM in their, uh, in their bios. And she'll just get them riled up and get, get them going. And every time it's like the whole time you're just thinking, man, if you guys only knew you were being trolled. Yeah. Yeah. No, the clear foster account's great. That, that's, that, that's one of the best ones. And of course we also got to give a little shout out to El Pelpo for, uh, you know, sneakily getting his balls in every uh, journalist face, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's probably my, uh, my favorite part of Twitter for uh, at least in the last year however however long he's been up to it i mean that's uh there, there's no better uh tactic and and he's gotten a lot of people he's he's gotten several <laughs> fairly prominent blue checks uh with clickbait you know kind of tweets and uh they can't get enough of it yep yeah one of the favorites was the um the journalist that thought he had actual information on the story and then when he uh <laughs> sent him a dm with the picture of his balls <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I think he got Ian Miles Chong with it, uh, which is insane. I mean, <laughs> it's like, come on, do better. Just like take 10 minutes and just look at his feed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the uh, the scoop dollar bills in their in their uh, in their eyes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, so you run uh, in block press. How's that been going for you? That's going great, man. Uh, yeah, for anybody who's not familiar, it's just kind of a, um, a newsletter, an occasional podcast, uh, mostly yep. focusing on like um, just politics and like guns, three D printing, things like that. Uh, some some Bitcoin stuff, anything that's kind of adjacent to those uh, those interests. Yeah, the Liberty adjacent stuff. I mean, we have kind of like our fingers in just about every little pie out there. Mm -hmm. You know, Bitcoin, guns, three D printing. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's like probably some of the most radical stuff I've seen on 3D printing is like printing out little plastic parts from Sears. Because there's, yeah. there's, there's a maintenance guy that lives like right down the street from me. And uh, that's what he does with his 3D printer. He prints up all of the little Sears parts that he doesn't want to have ordered for like two weeks. Sure. And it's always yeah. the stuff that randomly breaks on refrigerators and washing machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, you haven't tried making a gun with it? He's like, no, I, I keep it busy with just making these little plastic doodad parts. And he goes, yeah. the 3D printed stuff will last way longer than whatever they're making. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. You're going to get, uh, you know, the, the feds listening to this. You're going to think this guy's printing auto sears instead <laughs> of, like, sears replacement <laughs> yeah. parts. Yeah. Oh, did I, you know, I mentioned a word that kind of sounded like the other word? <laughs> and that's what the echelon carnivore system's picking up on? Yeah. A little throwback to the 90s. I love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what, guys? That became Google. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's like some of us have been warning you about this shit for forever. And then Edward Snowden comes along and it's all like, oh, my God, I can't believe all this stuff is going on. It's like, no, no, no. We were the crazies that told you about it first. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. So we were kind of talking a little bit off air, like beforehand, uh, about some guns. Uh, what is the weirdest gun fascination that you have? Uh, hmm. That's a good question. I don't know that... Um... You know, I wish I had a. Uh, I wish I had a better answer. I'm uh, honestly kind of a, a gun normie. I don't, uh, in terms of my interests, I'm. Uh, hmm. I mean, I have an appreciation for like uh, single action revolvers. I guess that's about as. Uh, I don't know if you would even call that esoteric, but uh, that's that's, you know, really about it. I guess there are some people that. Uh, you know, or into really one-off stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, <laughs> I wish I had a better answer for your question, man, but I'm a pretty standard, uh, pretty straightforward, you know, handgun and AR guy and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, I don't get too far off into some of, some of the crazy stuff that, uh, these guys are making. Don't get into the, uh, into the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not, not too, too much. Uh, you know, I mean, I have an appreciation for uh, anything that's like weird and esoteric like that, but uh, no, nah, I'm pretty, pretty bread and butter, uh, you know, gun guy overall. Well, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. It was like, it was like, a, I was telling you, I was like trying to find somebody to make me a uh, AR-15 chambered in 44 Magnum. I got laughed off the phone like three times today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So someone. Like, it's not going to feed like too expensive. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I would imagine that uh, it's doable. I mean, a straight wall case is challenging, but uh, I mean, they make uppers in four fifty eight SOCOM, which is it's not a true straight wall case, but uh, it's pretty close. I mean, yeah, I have to believe that yeah, someone could could crank something out like that. Yeah, I don't know the uh, was it the uh, the fifty caliber Beowulf. They have an upper for that. And, yeah. Right. Uh, that's not exactly uh, straight walled. I mean, there's a little bit of a taper to it, but uh, yeah, it's just the, it's just kind of like one of those things. That's all I've, I've dreamed about it since high school. I was like, Oh man, this would be great if you can just make this in like 44 Magnum. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet, dude. Yeah. I mean, if you can just imagine, you know, 44 Magnum rifle with like an 18 inch barrel. Yeah. If you needed to blow somebody's leg off, you know, yeah, that would be the tool for the job. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Uh, they had a lever action rifle. They called the Mayor's Leg. That was like that. Mm-hmm. Seen it yeah. in a bunch of movies and everything. People like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a. Uh, yeah, those are those are interesting. There's a handful of, um, you know, like, like replica style, uh, you know, manufacturers that make like a, a Mayor's Leg, but that that's an interesting gun. Yeah, I wouldn't never want to shoot it because you know, <laughs> just talk about punishing your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, less uh, not super, uh, not super practical, but you know, cool nonetheless. Yeah, the type of thing that you pull out of the barbecue and say, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just to have it. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm never actually going to use this in defense of my life or others. It's just. <laughs> Right. A safe queen that I just chuckle at every time I see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel the same way about uh, Desert Eagle pistols. 
They're so, they're so huge and unwieldy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's got a uh, that's got a cool factor to it that um, I don't know. I really like. I like the ones that are uh, kind of like the gaudier the better. So like your your gold tiger stripe desert eagle. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that just kind of lives up to the spirit of the gun. Like it's totally unnecessary. It's no real reason with, for it to exist. You know, yeah, but get it like, with pearl handles. You know, exactly. You know, it's like fuck it. May as well uh, make it gold with tiger stripes on it. You, you know what I mean? Like if you're gonna have something that's just ridiculous anyway, yeah, uh, might as may well. as well go go all out like '80s drug dealer or something like that. You know, like a real <laughs> you know South Beach vibe to it. Yeah, Tony Montana would be uh, with drooling with envy if he saw that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's ultimately that, that was uh, that's why he didn't come out ahead, man. You know, he had the M two hundred three, but he didn't yeah. have the gold tiger stripe. You know, uh, Desert Eagle. So, still one of my favorite lines in movie history comes from that movie, where he's being interrogated by the feds after yeah. the uh, the boat lift, mm-hmm. and he goes, "What you gonna do to me that Castro hadn't already done, eh?" Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that was like, it was like, you, you hear a line like that, and then you just kind of think about it. It was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He did come from a pretty repressive background. Yeah. Uh, it's like Johnny Fed trying to lean on him, trying to find, you know, other terrorists. Right. <laughs> it's not, he's, he's probably seen it and done it all, you know, over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, precisely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that movie was uh, was a trip, and, and I and I still think it's hilarious that I'll see some people like walk around with the the Scarface shirts on and everything. It's like, man, this is a 1980s movie, and people still just love it. <laughs> yeah, it's got a it holds up roughly. I mean, it's got a it's definitely got a cult following, and uh, you know that type of thing. It's an interesting piece of like uh, you know American movie history. Uh, yeah just, just given the era you know what i mean that's that's one of those movies that like uh it could, it, i don't know anytime i see it if it's like you know if it pops up on like netflix or youtube or something you know i'll still watch it for a few minutes at least and yeah. you know that kind of thing it's just just a you know an entertaining flick if for nothing else than uh, michelle pfeiffer back in the 80s <laughs> Oh, was that? I don't. Uh, she's a little before my time. I'm. Uh, I, that's I'm guessing right. that's Tony's girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I keep forgetting that uh, my references are sometimes as outdated as I am. So <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, the guns and the politics—they uh, do go together hand in hand. And it's like sometimes when you're reading on a gun forum and they want to like start banning people, it's like, oh, we're not bringing politics in here. And it's like having the gun in your possession is a political act, whether you like it or not. Uh, what do you kind of come down on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. It's um, you know, the firearm itself is a, uh, just a material form. It's just proving. Uh, you know, the political sentiment, it kind of, you know, you should always be distrustful of people who, you know, take steps to try and limit access to, to firearms. It's, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, this is, this is basically always, uh, someone who's acting in bad faith. Um, you know, as far as, uh, I mean, I'm talking about like adults, obviously, you know, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the access to firearms is, 
Uh, I think it holds up. You know, there's a lot of people that are doomers about it that will say, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, everybody had guns and COVID and that didn't stop anything and um, all this type of stuff. And uh, to some extent, there's some truth there. But yeah. uh, but if you compare the United States to, uh, you know, a lot of European countries or like a place like Australia, it's like, yeah, you know, the United States got pretty dumb during COVID. Um, but number one, it wasn't everywhere. There were states that, uh, especially pro-gun states, where that was not the case. Um, and at bare minimum, uh, we didn't have, honest to God, concentration camps uh, go up, <laughs> you know, which uh, Australia yeah. cannot say. Yeah, you know. I would uh, really like to, to tell people is like it could have gotten so much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As there's bad still... as it was, it could have gotten way worse. Right. I mean, as a as a gun bearing country, there's there is still that practical hurdle um, that separates like political will from, uh, you know, an actual reality that you don't have um, in places like Australia where it's just like or New Zealand um, or even Canada, where you know you have these people that just rule um, and say, "Hey, guess what? You can't have uh, you can't have rifles anymore." Um, and you know, New, New Zealand's a good example of this. After um, that mosque shooting a few years ago, yeah, you know, they're just a, essentially whatever their version of, of an executive order is to just say, "Hey, that's it. No, no more semi-automatic rifles." You know. And uh, everybody kind of lined up and uh, turned them in. And I mean, not everybody. They had uh, some rate of uh, passive resistance where people just didn't turn them in. But for all intents and purposes, there's no legally recognized right to uh, any type of real firearm ownership in New Zealand. And now you've got some insane lady who just whatever she says is what goes. And there's no practical means, you know, shy of... uh, you know, shy of like a, a rage mob with pitchforks and, you know, uh, yeah. you know, lighting stuff on fire. Uh, yeah, I no, can't see that happening in Wellington anytime soon. Right. There's no practical means of, uh, you know, resisting enforcement um, and this type of thing. You know what I mean? But you did see that, um, you know, in some places in the United States where, uh, you know, groups like, you know, right wing groups, either militia groups or like the, um, the dreaded, you know, quote unquote, boogaloo boys and all that kind of thing. Um, even though these guys weren't out there, you know, shooting people, um, it says something when you make a public policy that's unpopular and people show up in body armor with, you know, rifles, uh, that individual law may pass, but there's kind of like an implied, Hey, this is kind of as far as it's going to go there. So, I mean, the system is obviously not perfect. Like I'm not, not trying to sit here and say that like America, uh, because we're a gun owning country that, you know, things are great and there's no problems. That's not the case at all, but, uh, things did not get anywhere near as bad as they got in other places. And it was at least disjointed. I mean, there's a lot of infighting in America, yeah. um, which, you know, there are worse that's one of the pluses about being a country with 330 million people in it. Yeah, sure. You know, but I mean, there's not, uh, for instance, you know, there's not a whole lot of infighting, um, like American style infighting in like China, uh, you know, or, 
you know, Australia obviously has a much smaller population, but yeah. um, like most of the countries in Europe where they just basically generally don't have firearms ownership, um, you know, and, and I know that these are countries where if you're wealthy, you can own a, a you know, an over under sporting shotgun and things like that. I don't, you know, need a, every autist on the planet to be like, no, you could, you could own a sporting gun in Germany. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. own you know, an AR pattern rifle or, or anything with a detachable magazine or things like that. Um, you know, and I, I think that stuff still matters. Uh, and it does uh, kind of sway uh, policy a little bit. And it's interesting too, because uh, it's trending. Uh, trending is a keyword. It's not, not a majority opinion yet, but it's trending to where, um, a lot of people who are just normie Democrats softened on this being a huge issue for them, right? Like yeah. we saw through COVID uh, last 18, you know, 24 months or so where a lot of people looked around and between uncertainty about, you know, politics, uncertainty about what rules are going to be, uncertainty about keeping their jobs, uncertainty about supplies to things like food or paper towels or you know medical care um and with things like the blm riots uh a lot of people who are just just run-of-the-mill normie democrats right i'm not talking about your twitter blue checks i'm just talking about people who maybe um maybe don't even really follow politics closely they just they just vote democrat right yeah a lot of these people found themselves in a gun store in the last year and a half to two years. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of them found themselves, you know, buying a Glock or an M and P 15 sport, something like this. And, uh, they kind of realized for, for a lot of people, this kind of clicked and they kind of said, okay, well, uh, don't tell anybody, but I'm going to go buy an AR 15. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I mean, I, I interacted with a fair number of these types of people who, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's very annoying because there's just a, such a severe cognitive dissonance where it's like, how do you not see that? You know, this is, like, how oh, do you yes, not uh, get this? Had these arguments myself. I've got lefty progressive friends. So as soon as Donald Trump got elected, you know, they're out there buying AR-15s and they're, right. they're coming over and asking. It was like, well, how do I operate this? How do I? It was like, all right, let's go out to the gun range. I'll, I'll give you a quick lesson. Right, right. <laughs> and it was like, um, it's very frustrating when someone who's a Democrat starts to like you know complain as a customer about what why is there so much paperwork why does this background check take so long because of like, you it's like you motherfucker <laughs> like you did this not you me you did this <laughs> yeah. and uh it's like that old ladies drug commercial is like who taught you to do this stuff you you all right, right. i learned right. it by watching you exactly and so uh a lot of these people uh you know, they might not want to admit it to their friends or uh, come out on Twitter and say it, but a lot of the first time gun buyers through the COVID, uh, you know, madness and through the BLM riots and all this kind of stuff were people who would consider themselves independents or Democrats or, uh, you know, people who may be quote unquote anti-gun or who, you know, cause the, the anti-gun lobby does a very good job of using, uh, language that is attractive to people who want to seem like they're being uh, reasonable or equitable or you know common sense. They always say like, "Well, we need we need common sense gun laws to protect families." And so, if you're not into politics, you hear that and you go, "Okay, well, uh, 
Yeah, that sounds great on the on the surface. Like, sure, yeah. who who wouldn't because want a common like, well, sense? I don't law. want a violent criminal to have a gun. Right, precisely. You know, but they they so all these things are just methods of smuggling, like this. Uh, you know, totalitarian like mandates that say, hey, you uh, your consent is not optional because it was ultimately that's what uh, that's what gun ownership is. Um, and and yeah. you know, hundred years ago. Uh, you know, a few hundred years ago, it, it might have been access to a crossbow. And a, a few hundred years in the future, it might be access to, like, a, I don't know, a fucking laser gun or something like that. Which but ultimately... Fucking sweet. It would be, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, ultimately, uh, access to a weapon that is comparable to what the, the police or the military are carrying in your country at that time uh, means that, you know, you have a say in the matter. Whether or not you uh, think it's worth it to put that to the test uh, is another story, right. but you you at least have um, those means, right? So so it kind of forces uh, politicians to, uh, you know, if, if you want to be pessimistic about it, at least humor the concept of things like, you know, free speech or property rights or things like that. And, and obviously we're kind of slipping. We're seeing more of a divide between those concepts where we have yeah. – um, governors um like uh abbott or desantis um or the south more generally i think you were the one who turned uh coined the term gomez if i remember yes. correct yeah, <laughs> yeah so, the Gulf so you, of mexico autonomous zone right so you have uh you know people in the, the gomez area who in a political sense i mean some of these people at, at the local and state level some of these people actually actually do believe that like yeah people should just kind of be free and that you should have property rights and you should have yeah. uh you know things like this obviously a lot of people at the federal level don't care and they're, they're too far gone and people in corporate boardrooms of publicly traded companies they don't care these these organizations all have uh you know anti-freedom sentiments because their their goal is you know earnings per share shareholder value it's yeah. what the you know what HR says, right? These are these are you know weaponized HR departments, but you know some of the uh, the South, you know, has the over overwhelming sense of just like, hey, look, we're not we're not going to do this, and um, you know, so you see this divide opening up rather than a country like snapping together as like this kind of uh, submitted, you know, place like Australia or. Uh, Germany or Great Britain or something like this, where it's like, oh, I'm I'm not allowed to own a a butter knife with a sharp tip, you know what I mean? I, I mean, imagine that. Imagine living like like. Obviously, again, you know, America has problems. I'm not trying to sound like a neocon or something, but if you, you know, if <laughs> not trying like, to build crystal the place up, right? But if you go to like Great Britain and it's like, okay, well now now I'm going to go to jail for five years because I fucking put toast on my you know butter on my toast with an assault pocket knife like yeah we're, we're not at that point yet you know what i mean and uh so i mean i think that's why this stuff is important and like you said it's why um, gun ownership is an inherently political act because it's it's like saying hey look it, if you're it forces these guys to in some cases play by their own rules yeah you know what i mean and Thank God I'm not in Great Britain, so I'd be in perfect big doo doo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so yeah, it's it's important, and and these divides open up between places like California, or New York City, uh, and places like Florida or Texas, 
where um, the gun laws are much more, uh, you know, much better for yeah. the average person. Right. You know, I, yeah. In the Southeast, we have blue dog Democrats and these are Democrats that, you know, are all for kind of like the social program thing. But they also recognize that there's gun rights and property rights. And so they don't right. really push too hard on that. And uh, I, I guess that's one kind of lucky thing about living in the South. Um, yeah. But you don't have that everywhere. No, you don't. And, you know, it's uh, it's good that more broadly public sentiment has softened on these um, insane restrictions that people would be doing. You know, there, there's politicians like, like look at the shift in tone for a guy like Robert uh, O'Rourke in Texas, yeah. where last election cycle this guy Thank is you going for not on. calling him his by his stupid name. <laughs> no, the guy's Scotch Irish. I'm not going to call him Beto. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. His fucking middle name's Francis. Like, get the fuck out of here yeah. with that. Uh, but last election cycle, uh, I'm sorry, is is, uh, is cursing okay on this podcast? I don't. That- Dude, the FCC is not hiding okay. in the fucking bushes okay, outside, so don't, don't fucking worry about it. All right, cool. Yeah. You want to call someone a retard or a cunt? Go for it. Perfect, perfect. Uh, so, you know, last election cycle, he's out there saying that, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s, right? Yeah. And this election cycle, he's not. He's he's actually saying, making kind of a, a heel turn away from that uh, because... Yeah, he hasn't brought up the gun issue hardly ever and some of the stuff that I've seen. Right. So. Right. And he's, he's kind of dropped it. Right. Because he, he realizes that, okay, well this, maybe that wasn't the thing to go say in Texas. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Hey, I'm going to come take your shit. Like, okay, well, I don't think you are, you know what I mean? Because at a, at a practical level, uh, like this is something that like these guys, the, the elite guys that, have like private security details and things. Um, yeah. So Nolan are... Harris here brings up a good point. Uh, small town, Southern Indiana Dems are weird. We have a Democrat sheriff who refuses to enforce the mask mandates. Right. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the closer that, yeah, no, I mean, that's good. The, the closer that these guys are to like the local level, the less you can get away just by, just by pure fiat. Right. Like you, you can't just say, Hey, everybody's going to, I don't know, uh, paint their hair orange tomorrow because I'm the governor and that's what I said, or I'm the mayor and that's what I said. Like no one's going to do it. You know what I mean? At, at a local level. Yeah. Uh, As a ginger, I would like to see more gingers out there, but please natural, <laughs> not out of the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so these things have to be taken into consideration because you're not going to come take uh, an AR-15 from, uh, there are people who, who will give them up, of course. Uh, there, oh, yeah. there, there are plenty of people who do that. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not even going to make like cast a moral judgment on that. Um, you know, that's a, a, at that point, that's a life and death situation. So I'm, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, throw you know, shade live, on live, a hypothetical live situation. Day. Right. You know, I uh, however, I it. I, I'll keep note of it that you went along with it, but <laughs> right. that's just for right. my own information. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, however, for people who live, uh, who don't have private security details and who don't live in, you know, gated communities and things like this, um, you know, owning a fire and keeping a gun in your home is that's how you keep your family safe. Right. Like I have, you know, a family, I got a wife and kids and, uh, the meme about, well, the police are a few minutes away. You know, that's true. Uh, if someone's breaking into my home, you know what I mean? It's, it's my obligation to protect my family from people who might do them harm. And if you tell people, Hey, I'm going to take, come take your gun, 
because I don't like uh, that you're not voting for me. You know what I mean? This is this is an an absurd position to put yourself in as a politician because even if even if ninety nine percent of people go turn in the gun, right? One percent yeah. of <laughs> of three hundred thirty million people uh, is is still uh, not something that the local sheriffs are going to want to deal with. Right? You know what I mean? And 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 this is what's the you know, estimate it's also, of uh, gun owners in the United States? It's like one hundred and seventy million. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something always. Like I think it. Yeah, I think it always hovers around like fifty percent or so. Um, you know, and, and there's they, yeah. a lot of estimates say there's more more guns than people too. So, so, you know, most people who have yeah, guns, it's a like lot of 300 them, to 400 million guns or something like that, something like that. Yeah. A lot of people have more than one. Um, and so COVID made this yeah, so that 1% it's not of 1.7 million, you know, you now have a million armed combatants in the street. Precisely. And, and, you know, COVID the, uh, frankly, the democratic method of managing COVID is what put this like kind of fear into people where they went down to gun stores and said, Hey, I'm going to buy my first gun, right? I'm going to walk in here and I'm a Democrat. They always make it very, you know, it's, it's like, it's this weird condescending thing from a lot of these people where it's like, uh, yeah. Justin Campbell says he's not saying how many he has, but there's one in every room. So exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, these people come in and they're, they always kind of talk down to you. They say, oh, I'm, I'm, very anti-gun uh but what do you have that you know basically could shoot a lot of people yeah <laughs> it's like okay well let's come on over here and then every step of the way it's well there's a lot of paperwork for this or oh i have to wait for this i you know you know all this type of stuff and it's like well yeah you know this is like you should understand this you don't feel safe right now because of policies that you support and now you're in here complaining because you you're dealing with bureaucratic hurdles to yeah. make yourself feel safe. And you're the one who voted for these hurdles to be in place. And so, and so this is all, uh, this all leads to this like erosion, like this becomes less and less of a popular issue. And, and they still, they still, uh, you know, tap the glass every now and again, you know, you'll still see Joe Biden or David Hogg or somebody like that come out and say like, Oh, uh, remember AR-15s are bad. But between COVID, like, you know, if, if you're watching... Yeah, just more you know, important stuff going on. Right. If you're watching, your, you know, the last two years, if you're watching your, your purchasing power go down, uh, your access to medical care be limited, uh, most major cities having unchecked violence in the streets and looting, uh, and then you're watching, you know, uh, a million fleeing Ukrainians, uh, you know, running away from the Russian army. Uh, you know, maybe having an AR-15 in your closet doesn't seem like the worst idea, you know. Uh, yeah, it's like bare minimum a pump shotgun, you know, if you yeah. have nothing else. Right. You know, so it, it's kind of created some level of uh, generic, like, cultural uh, understanding that even if you don't want a gun and even if you don't particularly enjoy guns or don't like the idea of them, that uh, you might want one someday and you probably shouldn't yeah. vote. Uh, to get rid of that. And so that, I think that's the position that has softened somewhat, uh, you know, from, from these things. Oh yeah. And you'll see people's attitude change on the range if they've never shot a gun before. And then yeah. all of a sudden they're putting rounds down range and they're punching holes in paper. Mm -hmm. It's like all of a sudden that, that dormant competitive spirit opens up and I was like, 
oh, I bet you I can put three of those holes like right next to each other. I was yeah. like, okay, now we're talking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You know, people, uh, you know, guns are fun. That's, that's another aspect of it is that it's like, you know, it's okay to just have fun. You know what I mean? Like, I know that that's a, that's a big no, no for a lot of the, uh, like super woke left, but you know, just going out and having fun with some shit is, uh, totally fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Jason Booth brings up a good point here talking about jurisdictions that have passed, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, the laws about uh, bas- basically like federal federal nullification. Yeah, so Idaho, uh, Montana, Wyoming, among others, have two A protection laws that ban state local yeah. government employees from aiding federal gun control. Uh, right. We got it down here in Louisiana as well. Okay. So. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, and this is there's a lot of states now. This is becoming in states that are uh, fairly Republican. This is quite a trend where uh, at the state level they'll just say, "Hey, look, uh, our guys aren't going to help with." you know, joint task force, like ATF joint task forces and things like this. Yeah. So if the feds want to come in here and conduct an investigation, uh, you know, say theoretically, you know, they can't stop them from a statutory standpoint, but uh, they're not going to lend a hand. Right. Because yeah. that's a lot of these, um, you know, the ATF, um, you know, to me is a tremendously overstaffed organization, but if you believe in what their job is, like if you actually believe yeah, for in the it, entire it, nation's highly understaffed. Cause they, right. Precisely. Well, like there's assuming got like what, like 3000 employees. Uh, I think maybe special agents, but the, you know, assuming that the job is, you know, legitimate and I'm not saying it is, but if you were to have a centrally, uh, like a, a federal, uh, law enforcement agency centrally tasked with enforcing gun control, yeah. um, you know, they're understaffed for that obligation. And so they usually have to rely on, um, you know, working with like a local, like a joint task force. So like in a big city, that might mean, um, you know, if you're in Chicago, you know, you need to work with Cook County to, you know, have a joint task force. And so a lot of these uh, states are just saying, hey, look, we're not going to do that. Um, right. And, it, and it's and it, and we're also not going to enforce federal gun laws. Right. Like there's places like Missouri that have like, you know, you know, federal gun law nullification where they just say, hey, it's not our job to enforce federal law. Yeah. And, if the guns are made here in the state and they don't travel outside the state. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. And Texas did that with, um, with silencers recently, yep. which was a really, um, really, really bold move where they said, um, Hey, listen, you know, if you manufacture this silencer in Texas and you sell it, to an end user who is a Texas resident with no plans of you know moving it out of state, uh, then we don't see why this involves a federal government, frankly. Uh, this, yeah. this, is, this is a Texas matter, and we're fine with this, uh, which is, you know, I mean, it takes balls uh, to, to, you know, do that type of thing. Um, nothing's really come of it yet, you know, just to, to be honest, but it's the fact that that type of legislation can be passed and kind of enter the public consciousness yeah. uh, is, I think, uh, definitely a step in the right direction, because especially for something like silencers, because it's just silly. It's like, well, what does this do? Well, it's, you know, it's just a metal tube that makes it so you can fire your gun without going going deaf. Right. Like, like, that, like that, that's it. Like you're you're still talking about something that I mean, your, your, your AR is still going to be well over 100 decibels. Uh, even with a can on it, right? It's, it's, you know, this just means that like you're not going to develop tinnitus 
by shooting someone who's breaking your window. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's ridiculous to have to pay $200 and wait a month for the ATF to manually approve these on a case-by-case basis. So, right. you know, and, and so the fact that Texas has done that, and I don't think they're the only states that have done that. There's one other, but I forget it off the top of my head, um, is I interesting. Montana as well has done something. Was it Montana? Like okay. Yeah. If memory serves. Sure. Sure. But, but I think these are steps in the right direction. They indicate that in some places, um, you know, certain political leadership is either letting this happen because they know it would be unpopular to stop it or they're advancing it. Um, you know, which is a nice change of pace. And we've seen that too with, um, with constitutional carry, uh, you know, like that, if you, if you, uh, I think open source defense was the last place that I saw that, which is another good newsletter. Um, yeah. But they uh, they had like an animated chart of the history of um, constitutional carry, and this is something that's consistently won. You know, this has become increasingly popular. Uh, where there's there's quite a few states at this point where you know constitutional carry is just, is the law. Uh, even uh, even Florida here, uh, Ron DeSantis said that he would sign a constitutional carry bill. Uh, I think a week or two ago, if they put it on his desk. And, um, you know, this is something that's become very popular. So, so there's a lot of uh, the, the, the little secret about gun control that the Democrats don't like to advertise is that in a lot of ways they're losing the battle. Like there's consistent, steady pressure um, from pro-gun groups. Uh, and in a lot of cases, this ends up being effective. And when you take some of this stuff to uh, federal court, uh, you know, you have to hold, if you're, if you're a judge and you get presented with a case and they say, look, here's the deal, man, you don't have to like it, but you have to read what it says right here. And you have to do that. That's your job. And, um, you know, sometimes it wins. So, I mean, we saw it with the Heller decision. So, so gun rights from a legislative standpoint, um, the Democrats don't like to tell anybody, but they're, they're kind of quietly losing this fight. Yeah. And, uh, this one was from, uh, Louisiana from last year. We had a constitutional carry bill go forth. Uh, John Bell Edwards vetoed it, and then the um, state senate didn't get enough votes to overturn it. Okay. So yeah, I was like, I remember reading something about it, but yeah, that was like that was from last year. So yeah. it's not completely dead. I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll try it again. So. Yeah, yeah, probably, and and it's tough in these states uh, that have like serious blue um, enclaves. Like I'm, uh, like like New Orleans. I'm assuming is a pretty strong uh, a, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah so, very I mean, we, very very blue very blue yeah right yeah i mean we run into that in florida where like your your broward county miami dade is um you know pretty yeah. blue and you know there's other places that are mostly blue but not not like south florida and uh you know the rest of the state's pretty red so you know but the pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> course uh you know, jason booth again you know cries in californian sorry buddy oof. yeah that's rough yeah yeah but i mean even <laughs> california uh every now and again they catch a, a break too where they've uh uh you know based benitez has made it so that you know you guys can get magazines out there uh at least in these short little yeah. windows you know what i mean and then and then the gun industry the vendors will step up and say okay uh we've got a green light for california right now like we're gonna flood this whole place with as many you know, mags and stuff like this is possible. And we'll put yeah. them on sale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Just, just right. to make sure that they can. It's uh, they're going to pull yeah. the Palmetto, Palmetto state uh, approach. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a bunch so. of five hundred dollar AR fifteens and just flood the market with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is it's on the up and up. Um, you know, at the at a national level, it's not like that everywhere, but um, it turns out that you know when you let people run around in the streets and light shit on fire and uh, rob people and you don't bring charges for people who are beating people to death in the street, uh, you know, then people don't like that. Yeah. And then charge a kid who is actively defending himself from three attackers, you know? Right. Right. Like the, the, you know, the progressive institutions, like if you, if you work at Google, uh, obviously you can't watch the Kyle Rittenhouse video and then go to work and say that you didn't think, you know, that he did anything wrong, right? You would lose your job. Yeah. But for the for the average person who doesn't work in like a, a Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company, um, anybody with eyes looked at that Kyle Rittenhouse video and said, well, this kid didn't do anything wrong. He's he's trying to run away. Yeah. These, guys, these guys are chasing him down. They're trying to beat this that kid. That even came out during the case. Right. They, they had people who's like, oh, I thought he shot black people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they right. actually... Yeah looked into it at, at all they that's all they heard and that's what they were yeah, going right. with yeah yeah so so when you do these things that are obviously in defiance of visible reality uh and you're telling people like no no you know you don't understand this kid's a terrorist you know people watch that video and they go well i, I don't i don't know about that like i don't i think this is a bad situation and i think that you know this town is on fire and the police are standing down and uh this kid because he's a, he's young and he's an idiot, finds himself pro- somewhere that, you know, is not a uh, good place for, for a 17, 18-year-old kid to be. Uh, yeah, definitely shouldn't was, have been there. You know, I'll, I'll it, say that all day long. I was like... Yeah, from a from a personal health standpoint, like, um, you know, from a health and safety standpoint, no, I would... Dude, I'm sorry about your car lot, but I'm not going to stand here. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, you know. So, like, you know, I think to Kyle Rittenhouse, it was like a noble effort uh to you know to in his in his brain you know what i mean he looked at this and i think said well this is uh this is where i grew up and this is uh where some of my family lives and uh you know i'm gonna try and uh, you know whatever keep keep you know do whatever kids are gonna do you know keep the peace out here and be a police cadet or you know whatever um you know that doesn't give anybody the right to try and beat him to death with a skateboard uh yeah especially because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't out there actually doing anything like, you know what I mean? So I think most of the country saw that and they saw the way that they treated this kid. Who's kind of a dopey, nerdy looking, he's like kind of pudgy had acne. Like, yeah. And you know, they're, they're talking about this guy, like he's, you know, Hitler wrapped in Osama bin Laden. And I think a lot of people looked at that and they're like, wait a minute, like this. <laughs> yeah, it was really instructive. Like after the, the case was done and over with, and it was like, some people was like, Oh well, I mean, I thought he had shot a whole bunch of black people. And I was like, right. and then he shot three white kids. Why was he even tried? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Like and they, they were—they they didn't even know, really want to think about it too hard. <laughs> and one of them had a gun, uh, and another one illegally. Was, yeah, yeah, and another one was raising a skateboard to try and you know beat this kid over over the head. Like, you know, come on, you know, no, no one, no one in their right mind is going to watch that video and then, you know. You know, not to mention the pedophile that was chasing him right at the beginning. <laughs> that had been out, let out of a crazy house that day. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I mean, these are just, you know, right. Like it's, it's a, you know, it was an unfortunate situation for him to be in because that's a, that's a heavy decision for, you know, an 18 yeah. year old, you know what I mean? Like to, to, you know, to find himself in. 
but you know, I don't think people like it when the police stand down and let people destroy their cities. Yeah. And another thing on that was at least Kyle got to see what it's like being a cop on the other side of it and how he was treated, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, people look at that and they go, well, this isn't really on the up and up. Like these people are, uh, maybe these guys aren't telling the truth. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. uh, you know, if you, if you govern in such a manner where the general population has a reason to feel scared for their safety or doubt that uh, food and medicine, and, you know, uh, legal protections are going to be widely available or, or uh, equitably accessible, uh, you're not going to be able to, to push for gun control to follow yeah. up on it. You know what I mean, you're, that's not going to be a cherry on top for your, <laughs> your political campaign, you know? Yeah. That's the other thing with the, uh, the, stupid coof stuff over the last two years uh, a lot of that just fell flat on its face because people's like i'm not buying it <laughs> yeah yeah right you know, yeah they'll, they'll push against it and push against it and then finally they'll have to relent and uh you know hats off to like states like south dakota that never went under any kind of restriction ever right <laughs> and yeah. then uh, you get states like florida where it was like okay we're gonna be cautious at first and then it's like afterwards like no <laughs> right right and that's uh you know that's another thing where the, you know, a lot of these people are, have voted with their feet, so to speak, like like these, oh yeah, you know, New York City, L.A., a lot of these blue, uh, deep blue cities uh, have just seen net population declines because people leave. They go to places yeah. like Texas or they go to Florida. Uh, yeah, the Joe Rogan effect on that one is quite real because uh, after Joe Rogan had left Los Angeles and moved to Austin, which is basically los angeles of texas right. yeah. you know yeah. it, it kind of gave everyone else permission to do it too mm -hmm. and then at one point u-haul was having a problem keeping uh vans yeah in los angeles and orange county and places like that that you had people that would drive over to arizona pick up a a, a u-haul van <laughs> you right. know to go move there later so it's a right. ridiculous ridiculous yeah. situation right yeah no you can't um you know this is this is a real kind of kind of dichotomy for the progressive movement because no one people are either going to leave your cities or they're going to politically resist you if you tell them that you know uh the homeless encampment down the street is just just you're expected to just deal with that right like yeah, yeah. sometimes sometimes people just do heroin in your front yard and shit on your car uh yeah. you know i mean what you don't like this like what, what are, you're not a nazi are you you know what i mean and yeah and it's, we get that from the left all the time it's like no 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 no. you're going to put up with these people's uh crazy behavior right like, right yeah exactly. but i don't want to it's in my front yard precisely you know and, and it's it's kind of a larger antagonism between like a, a you know a, a property rights society and a civil rights society uh yeah you know and i'm i mean i'm obviously everyone listening to this is going to be on the, the property rights side of that argument. At least I uh, hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> if, if you're not, please join us because we need Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and anybody who moved from, away from California with a civil rights vision of society, please change that to a property rights society before you go vote the next time yeah. in Florida, you know, because that's, you know, again, that's, that's just, it's just cognitive dissonance that, uh, you know, these people deeply guard because like i feel like inherent with like like progressivism is this sense of like smug uh like like smugness like hey i'm just i'm just better than these these other people right oh, like uh, 
all day. I mean, have you seen you know, Blue Check Twitter? <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, you know, it's like very alarming because these people are, a lot of them are ultimately useless. Uh, where it's like, wait, what do you do? Like, you have a bullshit job, and uh, you know, you don't actually like do anything. Uh, you, know, you don't produce any, any tangible product or outcome or contribute to anything that is important. Uh, but nonetheless, they'll say, well, you know, I have a master's degree in um, streamlining systems of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, to help produce yeah. uh, stakeholder Aaron buy-in. Just, uh, goes on a rant every time he sees that in some news story that he's reading. He goes like, you have a fake job. <laughs> yeah. And and yet, you know, they'll, they'll move to a place like Florida and think, uh, you know, or Texas or wherever, and they'll say, well, you know, the politics here are really bad. You know, like we, we saw, I forget who tweeted it. There's, I think he was a blue check last year who had said that he was moving to Miami and from, uh, I think, I think it was LA and he was, he was like, yeah, you know, uh, I of course don't, don't agree. Like Florida's, Florida's politics are much worse than California's, but I just got to get my family out of here. And it's like, buddy, <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you not see this? Like, yeah you know the things that you claim to believe in are what's causing the problems for you like <laughs> you know like you need to you need to consider this a little bit yeah when i lived up in uh, dallas a few years ago uh i ran into some california people that had moved there because they just wanted to move to another big city and you yeah. sit there and you talk to them and then they're like uh and it's like yeah and you know i can't wait till we get like abortion completely legal over here i was like it's like you missed it you missed the point <laughs> Yeah, right. Pre precisely. Like, like the policies that you put in place uh, downstream of that, you know, yield social outcomes and uh, your plan sucks. <laughs> like, it's not going to make anything good. In fact, it will make things worse and it'll make things so bad that these cities that you govern ultimately deteriorate into urban shitholes that, you know, you can't tell them apart from third world countries. Like, oh, it's, yeah. Los Angeles, you know, downtown. It's, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, Jason Booth with another one. Centenary University in New Jersey just introduced a master's degree in happiness studies. So you get a fake degree for your fake job. Perfect. And, you know, the irony of this, of course, is that people who have master's degrees in happiness studies are going to have a disproportionate use of SSRI antidepressants. I promise you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like any of those uh, type of uh, professions, like... Uh, you know, therapist and everything else. I mean, they're listening to people's problems all day. They've got a high, you know, case of suicide themselves. You know, they take a lot of uh, psychotropic drugs, you know, probably right. not really through prescriptions. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. 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 It gets pretty nuts out there. It gets pretty nuts. And of course the left comes along. It's like, Oh, well, you gotta, you got to acknowledge my mental illness that I've put in my bio. <laughs> sure. Yeah, of like, course. You know, to be and... alive. Yeah, it's it's like a, I don't know, it's like an internal struggle for them to see how far away from reality they can exist and for how long, you know, like, like, I would be very surprised if this program in happiness studies uh, has any mention or any, like, uh, you know, inclination to encourage uh, prioritizing, like, I don't know, family or friendships or physical fitness or a healthy diet uh or a family yeah, or things that have uh, actual religion metrics or... for happiness 
yeah the, the things right like like what do you need a, a degree in happiness studies for buddy uh you, you can drink a six-pack and go fishing almost anywhere in america yeah. like <laughs> I'll, I'll save you a hundred thousand dollars and just go do that yeah and i mean the happiest people in the world live a couple hours from me down in uh, bayou pigeon louisiana they're you know cajuns sure. live there all their lives they don't have much they just go out and they fish during the day uh do little handyman stuff on the side and the happiest people ever it's like right. barely anything yeah. could get them down yeah yeah precisely yeah uh, i mean you you could probably the average bug man could probably be completely off of antidepressants in three months if they just learned how to how to fix shit around the house with their own tools yeah and a big thing, going out to run or take a walk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you get such an endorphin rush from that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's really yeah, it's it's just tough. kind of it's, amazing it's, if you haven't actually yeah, done yeah. physical fitness before, go out and try it. Right. It's just tough to do when there's, you know, the three mile strip of, you know, prostitutes and heroin addicts, uh, you know, Very 200 true. feet from your front door. <laughs> you know, I mean, these people, they do it to themselves. Yeah. And keep your cattle prod handy just in case <laughs> right exactly that's probably a good place to, to leave it off i usually uh take these for about an hour uh lee go ahead sure. and uh, get your grift on drop all your plugs yeah yeah you guys can uh twitter is at n e n underscore block b l o c underscore press so in block press on twitter uh and in block press.com e n b l o c press.com uh, you can sign up get free and paid options uh, there's something there for everybody, so you guys go check it out. Yep, and uh, don't sleep on the Substack, everybody. He's also got a Substack as well. So, yeah, Is I actually that on, uh, the, on the site. Yeah, so I, I recently moved from Substack to the site exclusively. Uh, uh, okay, it's a, a whole separate conversation there, but um, <laughs> I have I like Substack. I'm not saying anything bad about Substack. It's it was a good platform while I was on it. Um, I just have. Uh, you know, kind of an under your uh, thing a little they, bit more, huh? Yeah, they've they've been good. Substack was good. I have no complaints about Substack, but I think uh, maybe a year or two from now, uh, the odds of it still being owned by the same people seems pretty low. The odds of it, there will inevitably good looking out. Be, good looking out. yeah, and inevitably be some disruption with uh, payment processors or something like that. Someone's going to write something, and uh, they're going to lose Stripe, or they're going to get you know. Yeah, I Something mean, like that, so. to be honest, I'm actually amazed that it's still around in, in the current condition yeah. that it's, that right. it's in. Yeah, so, so I'm post on there. So yeah, I'm 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 a fan. I like it. Uh, I'm not not saying anything bad about it, but um, I you know moved everything from Substack, archived everything, brought it over to my own web domain um, on my own server. So when that comes up, hopefully I can avoid uh, having to be caught in the middle with that. Yeah, uh, I, I totally get it. Totally get it. All right, folks. So once I get the uh, the notes and everything uh, updated, that'll all feature down below. Lee, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, my pleasure. All right, we'll let you go. So there it is, Lee Enfield from Inblock Press. Uh, so definitely uh, check those uh, show notes down below once I get them updated, and also check out all my stuff down there. I've got my Coin Tree links. Uh, it's all over the place. Uh, if you could uh, head on over to my merch store on Teespring and uh, go buy a T-shirt. Put then you stink as a promo code and you save yourself 10% on my t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, drinkware, and stuff like that. So anyways, guys, take it easy, and we'll come at you next week with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out.